Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello and welcome back to episode 2 of series 5 of Sophie Cinema Club. I'm Colton Smith and as always I am joined by Jack P. Shepard. Ben Bailey. You sound like a bird watcher. It's like I was doing the news. <laughs> did it, did, yeah. did, did, Ben Bailey, out here, yeah. it's a wonderful life. 1945, let's go. Sofa Cinema Club is our podcast where we get together to educate each other on film. Now, it's all about the films you should have seen, but you haven't. Each week, we set a film for the other to watch, and then we come into the studio and we talk about what we loved, hated, and rated about the film. The beauty of our film club is that anyone can join in. All you've got to do is watch along with the film at home, then join us every Thursday to find out what we thought. And this week's film has been chosen by Ben. We're keeping on the film of Christmas because it is Christmas. And Ben's Christmas pick was It's a Wonderful Life. Before we get into talking all things It's a Wonderful Life, as always, how's your week been? Right, I'm going to get us started. So last week we started Series 5 and we wanted to mark the occasion, didn't we? Yes, we did. So we went big and we thought, how big can you go? So we located the biggest billboard in Europe. We thought, let's do it. Let's go all budget out, biggest billboard in Europe. We didn't go very far, to be fair, did we? We went to the end of the road. (laughs) Biggest electrical billboard in Europe. Oh, okay. Fucking what is this? Mastermind. Well, no, only because you're going to get so, you're going to get some friggin' anoraks going. Well, actually, the biggest billboards in Belgium. <laughs> anoraks. Yeah. I've never heard of that before. What? Isn't that the raincoat? No, anoraks. You never heard of that an anorak. Jobs worth people. So, I guess we would call it a Karen. We would call it a Karen. Oh, is that a millennial thing? Like, yeah, you'd be like, oh, you'll get some Karens writing in saying bloody blah, because we always say the person that complains is always someone called Karen. If your ah, name's right. Karen and you listen to the podcast, sorry, but that's that. I guess I would call it a Karen. Ah, right. A little bit of um, language barrier there between the generations. Anyway, just to cut to the quick, biggest electrical billboard. Is it not the second biggest as well? <laughs> second if Jack, biggest. If Jack pissed on the parade, let's piss on the parade. I'll tell you what, I've got it. It's a big billboard. It was huge. And it had our three faces on. It had Sofa Cinema Club in the big bright lights back for Series 5. It's good. We were away for the really, really early morning photo. 
half six, quarter seven. Whoosh. Freezing. It was a bit of a buzz seeing ourselves on the poster, but also freezing. Because <laughs> a few people commented on me on that photo going, why does Ben look so shitty? Because he was freezing. I was freezing myself today. Everyone's like, oh, God, he looks grumpy. I was grumpy. It was freezing. I don't think I've ever been as cold. As in, my, my Reynards were screaming at me, saying, get back in the car, get the heated seat on, and relax. But it was worth it, wasn't it? Yeah. See, whilst we're talking of the cold, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna tell the podcast the hypothetical question that I asked you two earlier this week, which is I have this thing, me and my mates, of in life you have three opportunities to teleport. <laughs> Jack's laughing at me. <laughs> you have three opportunities to teleport, okay, in the whole of your life. When in your life would you have used them? So you would have picked then. No, I wouldn't. No, I wouldn't have picked them. But I, the one teleport that I have used out of my three, I still have two left. Was a day that I was very, very, very cold. I teleported back home. You're missing something out of that question, though. What am I missing? You can only teleport home. Back home, yeah. So you can't teleport from A to B. You can only teleport from A to back home. But yeah, I mean, it's just on your morning driving to work, on your run, whatever you're doing now whilst you're listening, just have that question in your head. Give it 10 seconds. Give it all of 10 seconds. Think, where would I like to go home? I've not used any yet. I was trying to think. You see, I I immediately go to emergencies. So have I left the fire on? Have I left the oven on? Do I need to get home? ASAP to turn it off so my house don't burn down. Isn't those questions the better question is what's your superpower? Well, I don't know. We, us three had a very long car ride together, and it was full of h- hypothetical questions. Is that the right? Yeah. Is that the right word? <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're learning. It, it was full of it was full of big questions, um, and we went from all, didn't we? Superpower, um, last meal in prison. We we did it all. My superpower was flying, which I took to parts because that yeah, is, you did take apart. It is so faulted. What was yours? Teleport, instant teleport from anywhere in the world in any place. Jack's got to get his wings ready. His flying's cold. Flying's cold. That was the that was the kibosh on flying freezing. I'm bent. It takes time. It, does he fly like a jet or does he have to flap his arm? I'm Superman. I'm Superman. He's not a bird. It's just one hand, one hand in the air. How long did it take you to get to New Zealand? Superman span round the world so fast he made it go backwards. So he's fast. Superman's fast. But I can. I don't have. I don't have any time. I'm A to B instantly. Yeah, but you don't get to see anything. That's the bit that's appealing. I think in your power, <laughs> you can, to a certain degree, control time. I can't. I can fly, and it takes me. I don't know. It might take me about three minutes to get to London. But you, you're there, and I'm exactly where I want to be. Speaking of control time, wasn't that Ben's power? What? It wasn't time travel. <laughs> It was. I went back and changed it. <laughs> freezing time would be good. I thought you said freezing Stopping time. time yeah. would be good. No, no, no. Time travel. Freezing time. Shit. Can you time travel into the future? Yeah, yeah. I can do it any which way. I've had a look. It's going really well, the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Some of us, we've fallen out though, so we've split up. We've each got our own. (laughs) (laughs) So we went big on a billboard. We sat in a car and asked each other questions about life. Jack, Mm. have you been on a certain stag do? 
I have been on a stag do. Here we go. We're back. Back with a bang. Back with a bang. Jack and the stag do's. It was my brother's stag do. Are you the best man? No, thankfully. Well, I I don't have any... um, Responsibilities. Responsibilities. His best man's his best friend, which is great. I don't have to do anything. Perfect. So the the stag do is... It's in Manchester. Ooh, nice and convenient. (laughs) Obviously, I live in Manchester, so I've, I've got to go. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Backpedal. I'm using my time travel card here. You've got to go. Yes, he's your brother. Well, I, I, I'm not one for stag do's. I've only ever been on one. Yeah, it's just a bit, it's a bit boisterous, a bit, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm like, oh, come on. Yeah. <laughs> the one I went on, we got, a, we got a minibus in the morning. We went to foot golf. It was my mate Dave. He had to dress up as an inflatable penis. We played foot golf. And then we went on a night out in Liverpool. What's foot golf? Is that kicking a foot... A golf ball with your foot? No, no, football. It's a, it's a football, but you're on like a golf course. So you have to get it by the flag. And, with a golf ball, it'd take ages. He's dressed as a penis, kicking a ball on a golf course. Wow, welcome to marriage. On the night out in Liverpool, he was dressed as Mr. Bean. And briefcase teddy bear. It was great. I need more stag dudes. So hold on, Jack. Go on. What was your... You're out in Manchester. What's the... What's the, is it a full day? Is it one of those ones? Right. Okay. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you. So, it was a big. It was a big weekend thing. Ooh. It was. I'm in Manchester, right? And it's Derby weekend. So Manchester United are playing Manchester City. So it's rammed. It's full of people. You can't get anywhere. Anyhow, the first point and call for drinks was Weatherspoons. Nice. Great classy venue. Me in Weatherspoons, right? It's hard enough if you're not on the telly. Piccadilly, I'm thinking, Jesus, this is going to be ropey. Anyhow, I gets in, I'm on my Todd, uh, walk in the bar, and I see them all. They all go, way, they all start cheering. I'm like, oh, yep, yep. And bearing in mind, I've not seen some of these guys for like 10, 15 years. So I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, you're all right, I'll just get a drink. And I come back and I sit down. They're like, way, nice to see you. How are you doing? I'm like, yeah, yeah, good. Yeah, yeah, you're all right. Yeah. I'm sat down with them. And they're like going, do you, you live around here? You live around here, Jack? I'm like, yeah, yeah, just up road, blah, 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 and whatnot. And I'm chatting. And then I'm looking for my brother and I can't find him. And then I, I, I realise I can't recognise anyone who's there. And I'm sat with the wrong fucking stag do. <laughs> ben, I've been sat with them for like 10 minutes and they're just asking me questions and they're asking stuff about Corey, what I've been up to and I've literally just joined a table of a stag do, a random stag do and my brother's is over in the corner. You don't know any of them? No, and I said to him, I went, I don't know any of you, do I? And they went, no, thanks for coming. And I went, oh my God. And they'll have thought that you were really nice, I bet. Because I bet you were being really nice thinking, I've got the whole weekend with these. Well, who does that? Who walks in and then goes, yeah, I'll join your night out? David Platt. I walked over and I saw my brother and I went, I've been sat over there for 10 minutes with these fucking doilums. And his head just fell off. What a rough start to what makes to be a great weekend. You sat with the wrong fucking people. I'd finished my drink. (laughs) 
Where are we going next, Sergeant? Imagine if you'd spent the whole night. Imagine. So did you meet the stag on that one? Oh, I don't know. I, I mean, there were like 30 people there and I was just in a in a gang with them. And I just says, oh, I'm with the wrong stag. I'm looking for my brother. And they went, he's not here. <laughs> I thought, oh, Jesus. Oh, that that's, that's a big cock up. That is big. I walked in and they all just started cheering. So I sat down with them. <laughs> it's a good drama. You end up on a night and someone else is stagged to playing football golf just as a penis. <laughs> ben, anything? I've I've got another thing. Oh, got another thing. Shit, Batman! You 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 can't stop you. Go on then, I go. Know. Yeah, better be good. Um, trees up. Hey, hey. nice. So I was it's- on set with Jack Ben on. Friday night, late Friday night, Jack nudged me and went, Annie's text me, we've got the tree. So he knew he was going home to his tree. Placky. It's a fake one. I'm all for, for, none of that real shit. None of that real shit. Yeah. Who wants real trees? I'd like to walk through a wood of plastic trees, please. Built in lights, everything. Yeah, built in lights. Seven and a half foot it is. Whoa. But you know how you can get those posh covers that go around the bases yeah we had to put that on extra but you had to lift the tree to put it on but it's seven and a half foot and there's only two inches left of headroom at the top of the ceiling so we're lifting three of us are lifting it up we're knocking everything off the baubles were coming off it was a joke so i mean hanny's mum was nearly dead underneath it so you're going to keep it up for all year because you can't be asked to take no, it down? No, no. It's one of them that you fold back up, you <laughs> sling, it, sling it under bed and everyone's happy. You fold back up, put it in your pocket and you, yeah. get, and you stick it in the loft and you don't see it for the yeah. next, for the next yeah. year. Tree? When's too early for a tree? That's early. No, it's not. No, it's, it's not. Yeah, but I thought it was 12 days of Christmas. No, 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 no. no 25 no. days of Christmas. We try and eke it out now, don't we? Oh, we've changed it now. On the 25th day of Christmas, my true love gave to me. All of December. Yeah. Take it down, January. You're going to bring my advent calendar up now, aren't you? I can see it in your eyes. I got one this year. I haven't had one for years. Wow. I got one. Do you know why? One of the kids didn't want it. And it's a white chocolate one because the chocolate's shit. Oh, it's a shitty one. It's a, it, It's completely shit. And I open it and they all go, and they take the piss out of me and they go, oh, what's number six, dad? I go, it's a shitty white chocolate. I know it's a shitty white chocolate. Uh, my daughter's got this amazing one with like uh, all different kind of creams in it or whatever. Colson has got one by his, given to him by his mum. And each day you get, what do you get? A bath bomb. 25 days of baths. But what I've worked out is I only have a bath every three or four days, so I'm having four bath bombs at once. The colour scheme is amazing. <laughs> it's like I'm making a potion, just dropping them in. I got bored of advent calendars. I couldn't, I couldn't do them, because it's chocolate, isn't it? Right? Mainly. Well, or bath bombs. Everyone knows. Chocolate or bath bombs. Who wakes up in the morning and eats fucking chocolate? I do. I do. But also, Ben, sometimes, I, I don't know about you, but I miss a few days, like, you, you forget. You're running late, you grab your keys, you go to work, and then the next day you go, oh, I've got, like, four days that I've missed that I need to eat. Do you know what? I missed a day, and I went, ooh, I fucking got to. Went down. 
bastards. <laughs> they knew I'd missed a day. And they went, yeah, I had that day. You missed it, Dad. You missed four. What? What? I was saving it for five and six. Yeah, you missed it. You snooze, you lose. Gone. <laughs> the white chocolate, gone. I know what you mean. You don't. I don't quite fancy chocolate. But there again, who wakes up and thinks, I have a bath? <laughs> you open the door and you go oh can I have another bath again bath I've got time I haven't got time I haven't got time for a bath I've been having to wake up at 5am to get these baths in. <laughs> you, know, you know just turn the shower on and just throw it against the wall <laughs> how are you Christmas great I've had 25 baths <laughs> I've got I've got one on Christmas day uh, family are going to love that aren't they it's a big one on Christmas day you looked at that and you were like, ooh, it's a big one, that, Ben. Speaking of biggies, it's a wonderful life. <laughs> <laughs> Great link. What a li- That's why we're on Patreon. That's why Radio 1 are knocking at the door. So at this point in the episode, it would normally be the time where you two have a little bit of a squabble of who's going to do the synopsis, but no more. You are now separate. You are now solo. So, Ben, what is your synopsis for? It's a wonderful life. I thought about this, actually. George Bailey, Christmas Eve, is going to commit suicide due to financial ruin. But you've just told the end. You don't know he's going to jump off a fucking bridge until the end. Jack, it's not It's not E.T. <laughs> it's a wonderful life. It's 75 years old. It's 75 years old. Are you telling me no one has seen It's a Wonderful Life? It's been on TV every single week for the last 400 Christmases. He's going to commit suicide. An angel saves him because he thinks his life's worthless. And the angel says, look, this is what your life would have been if you hadn't lived. This is what life would have been if you hadn't lived. But that's right at the fucking that's end. That's the film. I'm doing the fucking synopsis. I've done the synopsis. There we go. That's it. And E.T. lives. <laughs> I've got a confession to make. A last week's episode, I said I'd seen this film with my dad. I got this and Miracle and 34th Street confused. Fucking hell. <laughs> well, they're both in black and white, aren't they? And they're both Christmas. So I think that was my brain just went, yeah, there's only one black and white Christmas film. So no, first time I've ever seen this. Are we getting into it? Oh, well, I don't know, Shepard. You fucking tell me. I started, I couldn't even get through one fucking sentence of the synopsis. In Ben's defence, when the film starts, I knew from minute one that the angel was going to stop George Bailey from killing himself. How did you work that out? Because it makes it very clear that he's going to end his life. It's a Christmas tale. It's a universal Christmas tale, isn't it? Okay, fine. I did get that from the first two minutes. That's that's in Ben's defence, which is rare for me, after especially what he did to Nativity. 1945, film was a flop when it first came out. Frank Capra. Yeah, I saw that. Do you know the town? Yeah, Took them two months to build 20 real trees, one of the biggest sets ever made. They invented a new form of snow for that film. How good is the snow? <laughs> Fucking good. Yeah. Fucking good. And considering they will have had to absolutely, you know, when we filmed, to get it to to be seen on camera, you're going to have to pile it down. Yeah. The snow's great. He's doing the full works, isn't he? So we open with, um, is it Joseph? Is it God talking to an angel? Yeah, they're sort of talking between each other, aren't they, in the stars? I mean, it's quite a weird bit, isn't it? They're talking about him, reflecting on his life, and he's going to need some help. I thought it was a bit shit, this bit. Interesting. Okay. I mean, obviously, I don't know. 
money might have been a problem or something and with the angels and everything and how they filmed it. But they just had that black cloth and, like, three lights. It's a 1945, Jack. I know, I know. It's 1945. They didn't have any CGI, did they? Well, this angel gets set the mission, doesn't he, to kind of protect someone who he's a guardian angel of. And we kind of see him go through his life. And George Bailey has a moment in his childhood where his brother um, falls into an icy lake and George has to go into rescuing him. And in the process of rescuing him, he damages his ear and he's then deaf in one ear. And we kind of see George grow up and the situations that he gets in. We see him meet characters as young friends. We see him meet his first ever boss and kind of start to grow up through life. And the impression that we get is that George is a really ambitious kid who has plans to travel the world, make a difference and see things. And every time George gets close to leaving, close to taking on a new challenge, something stops him in his tracks and it means that he has to stay in Bedford Falls, doesn't he? He ends up having to work for his dad's firm, doesn't he? Yeah, because his dad dies, he takes over the business and it's just another sign of when he's trapped. And even then, at that point in his head, it's very much, well, I'm going to work until Harry gets back and then when Harry's back from school, Harry's going to take over and I'm going to travel the world. Then he gets a wife and then he says to his wife, but we're not having kids. Then he's got three kids and it kind of just goes on and on and on. And it leads to a point of you realising that his life isn't quite what he wanted it to be. Just going back a little bit to when he was a kid, you know how he stops his boss from giving the poison yeah. uh, in replace for medicine? And there's that old guy, that older actor. Drunk. Yeah. And he slaps him. He, he actually slapped the kid in real life. And I, I noticed that his ear was bleeding. And I'm thinking that's because of his, you know, his deaf ear. That wasn't makeup. That was blood. He hit him that hard. He burst his eardrum and he was bleeding. Yeah, it, it damaged him. He did an interview with the LA Times where he basically said that it, it, it damaged him and it wasn't safe and probably shouldn't have happened. So I think that's why they've put in, oh, he's lost the hearing in his ear. That bit was very good, very dark. That's what I like about this film. The premise and the stuff that they talk about within a Christmas film is very dark. His brother nearly dies. He loses his hearing. The guy works for drunk and nearly poisons another child. Yeah. It's very dark. I was going to argue the fact at one point. Well, about an hour and 30 minutes in, I was so prepared to come and argue that this is not a Christmas film. And then the last half an hour saves it because then it is a Christmas film. Like, I will give you that. Well, it's got snow. That's the box ticked. But there is, you know, the the entire hour and a half of the film is setting up for the last 20 minutes, isn't it? Which is telling you how a guy who has so many dreams and so much ambition has got to the point of being suicidal. Yeah, it gets so dark. But I mean, I suppose you could argue that's what happened in Nativity. The whole part of it is set up for that end Nativity. He meets his future wife, doesn't he? She's stunning, by the way, isn't she? Yeah. Great scene as well. So that, um, do you want the moon... I'll just say the word and I'll throw a lasso all around it. That's in a McFly song. Oh, is it? I love that scene when they're... She goes away, doesn't she? They fall in love and they have that bit where they've got no clothes on because they, they go to that dance and they open up the dance floor. Great scene. Great yeah. scene. Yeah, actually, good. Forgot about that. And Maxie watched that because that's in Beverly Hills. That uh, It's real. The swimming baths. The, yeah, yeah. They're just diving on top of each other. No health and safety. Everyone piling. 
I loved the bit where the teacher who's going, no, what are you doing? Just like looks at his pillow, uh, like looks at his mates, kind of rolls his eyes and dives in. <laughs> dives in what's clearly a mat and not yeah, the pool. Yeah, because he got, he's not getting his clothes wet. So, But she goes away, doesn't she? She goes away to college and he stays. Yeah. And then when what I loved is that scene when they meet again and, and George is sort of told by his mum that she's sort of not, she's met that guy in New York. But he says, look, go round. You know, she's still got a thing for her, for you. And he's quite, I don't know, he's sort of angry, isn't he? He's sort of, he, he's not quite back in love with her. He can't quite uh, connect with her. And there's that moment where the other boyfriend rings from New York and they're both having to share the phone. But the boy doesn't ring for her, does he? Which I think is probably the turning point for her is, you know, is, is Wayne right? Is it Harry Wayne? Sam, yeah. isn't Sam it? Wayne, Sam Wayne right. If he had have rang and was all over her, it might have been different. But as soon as he finds out that Bailey's around, he's like, get me on the phone. I've got a business proposal for you. And she kind of sees that his life is all about business and George really isn't that interested. So I think that's probably quite a big poignant bit because that's where George, they're, they're looking on the phone, aren't they, whilst Wainwright's talking about this business proposal and they get closer and closer and closer and when he puts the phone down, he goes, I don't want to buy shares in a plastic factory. I don't want this. I don't want that. I don't want kids. I don't want a wife. Cue first kiss. Cue transition into wedding. Another reason why he's not done anything he ever wanted to do. Because his life that he's planned out just keeps going wrong. But I love that shot. One shot over a phone feels very modern. There's parts of this film feel very modern. James Stewart was really nervous about doing this scene because it was an on-screen kiss and he'd never done one before. And when they started kissing, he didn't stop kissing her and she didn't stop kissing him. And they had to cut, and the reason why it goes off quick is because they couldn't get the rating approval because it was too risky. Oh. Yeah. Because there's loads that they cut out. So there's never any scenes of them drinking alcohol excessively. They don't say God, like there's loads and loads that they cut out because I think the production company who made it was strictly religious or some of the money behind it was like church money. So much they didn't do and so much that they cut to make it such a... A U certificate, possibly, yeah. But anyway, he's married, his dad's dead, he's working for his dad, life's not going great. Well, in fact, life is going great. He's got... The perfect life that everyone wants. He just hasn't got the life that George Bailey imagined when he was a kid. Yeah. So he's kind of got this arch enemy, Potter, who is like a Bond villain, isn't he? Yeah. He just wants he to is. control the entire town. He wants all the power. Mm. The FBI didn't like this. They thought it was a push against banking. They thought it was a push against the government. You push back on the government. The government tries to push you down. And, the, and he squashes the little man. He squashes the little man in America. And they didn't like it at all, the message that they felt it was giving out. When I did like research for this film and I was searching things about it, there was obviously the obvious stuff. And then there was quite a lot of like, you know how in England, like for GCC writing, we have stuff like of mice and men and, yeah. you know, stuff that we have to, I think in America or like, it must be like an A-level syllabus to write about this film yeah. because there was oh, loads right. of stuff on it. And quite a lot of the stuff that came up constantly was like, it's a story of individual versus community. And they were like, 
it's it's the American dream versus the American life sort of thing. And that's kind of what they were saying in the message of the film is, which obviously at the end comes so apparent and so true. But that is the bit about Potter and Bailey, isn't it? You know, George Bailey represents Bedford Falls and he's kind of, you know, he's kind of a big figurehead in the community, isn't he? And he, he says no to Potter and not many people ever say no to Potter. And as time goes on, as Bailey gets older, as the family grows, as the community grows, his business gets harder and harder to run. And Potter just gets stronger and stronger. And he's obviously succeeding, taking bits from other areas. And he basically says to his board members, there is only one pain in my side for the entirety. And that is that business. And it is the Baileys. And I want rid. And this is my plan. He wants the full monopoly, doesn't he? Wants he wants the full monopoly because basically he's doing that kind of slum rental, isn't he? He's renting slums to them. And then also what you find is that George lends money based on knowing them, not on fiscally how well they can pay it back, but whether they need that break. And they all kind of, you know when, you know when there's the bit where, so basically Potter offers Bailey a job. Bailey says no, which is a big turning point in the film because Potter pulls the money from back in Bailey's business. And then everyone, all the punters, all the community want their money out of Bailey's bank. And Bailey kind of says that bit of, no, we don't have the money like that. Your money is in his house and his house has money in there. And it's like, we all work together so that everyone can get what they want and everyone can get what they afford. And that is what community banking is. Yeah, And it's just not as accessible as that. And then there's the cool scene where... It's the honeymoon, isn't it? And the wife says, look, spend this. And he goes, right, I've got £2,000. Who wants what? And people come and they take their money out. And there's always that one greedy twat who says, I want my $200. And he's like, no, what can get you by? And he says, I want my $200. I'm gone. I'm out of here. I'm off to Potter. So he gives him the money. Paid. So, you know, in, with the, if they all wanted that, the money's not going to last. And then someone asks for 20 And then someone asks for 17 50 which is interesting because they were un- it was scripted that they were meant to ask for seventeen pounds, and the director said to the actress, "Ask for seventeen fifty, because I just want to see what his reaction's going to be." And when like he leans, number like yeah, and almost a fact of the idea is that one's asked for twenty, one's asked for two hundred, which he doesn't need. One's asked for twenty, which should get about a bit more. And this girl is clearly going, all I need to get by is seventeen fifty. So she's she's thought of it and it's literally Yeah. Yes. She's done the maths. Seventeen fifty covers my Netflix and my gas. And my Patreon subscription, Sofa Cinema Club. <laughs> and when he leans over the counter and kisses her, that was completely improvised. Cause she starts laughing, doesn't she? He's bloody good, James Stewart, in it. Mm. Yeah. He has to do a lot in this film. It's him. The entire film's him. The entire film, him, and he just ages, and he goes through real highs and massive lows. Charismatic, though, isn't it? He looks rough by the end of it, doesn't he? Do you think? Oh, I think he looks old, yeah. He was unsure about doing the film. He didn't want to, because he'd just come back from uh, World War Two, and he was feeling unsure about himself, and he didn't think he'd be up to doing anything, uh, because he was so disturbed by what had happened in the war and it was uh, the director who convinced him and said look do this his favorite film it got nominated for five oscars and didn't get any of them no it got one 
Oh, did it? Technical achievement, snow. Ah. They invented it, I think. You got te- it bombed. When it first came out, it bombed. It didn't make it, its money back. The only reason it got the acclaim it did is it fell out of copyright. So anyone could put it on telly. So they did. Mm. And it became free. It wasn't a script, was it? So it was a guy who was trying to write something and he couldn't write it in the end. So in the end, he sent it as his Christmas card to all of his like nearest and dearest. And it was something like a 600-page Christmas card, something ridiculous. And it got picked up by a producer and they went, 10 grand and it's ours, which equates to about 150K now. So that's what they bought the movie rights and the idea for. And eventually, when they lost the copyright, the, ra- the guy who wrote the um, Christmas card got the copyright back for the original idea. So he kind of got his idea back in the end, which is interesting. So back to the story. Basically, Bailey can't make the family business work, can he? No, no, it does. It does it, do, and, no, yeah, it does know, well. How does it get to that? It does well, because what, what happens is the community housing, he gets that empty ground, doesn't he, by the um, graveyard. And he starts getting these people into houses, which are new builds. So actually, it's working. Mm. And Potter knows it's working. But then the guy who works with him is meant to bank the money, the $8,000. And he loses it. He puts it, in, he puts it in Potter's newspaper, doesn't he? Puts it in his hand, which is, you know, yeah, I was a bit like, okay, so it's a device. Potter doesn't say anything, but knows that the banking guy who's going to come and look at their banking is going to ask, where's that $8,000? I think he is doing well. I think the fact he's got $8,000 is the business works. Yeah. But if you lose $8,000, it can't sustain it. Well, it ruins the business and, in effect, it ruins everything that Bailey's stood for. And we see him go through this stage of, obviously, getting stressed, getting depressed, taking it out on his family, his wife, his kids. Um, he takes it out on the teacher on the phone. Oh, that's but that's what, isn't, that, isn't that what's so great? It's in the same film as he starts off being this happy-go-lucky kid, having his dreams broken. By the end of it, he is nasty to that teacher. He's nasty to his children, he's nasty to his wife, and he goes out and gets drunk. The scene with him having a go at the teacher on the phone is fantastic. I like that when it comes full circle and the the teacher's husband's in the bar and he goes, what's that, Bailey? And then he he hits... And then the the teacher's husband (laughs) kicks out, Bailey's surviving, but he goes, no, this is me done. He jumps in his car after a few sherries on Christmas Eve, ends up crashing the car... And as he's walking back, that's kind of when he realises the severity. Everything comes on top of him. He walks onto the bridge and he decides the option in his head is, I'm going to jump in this water and end my own life. And as he does that, someone else jumps in the water. So he's got to jump in the water, save him. He saves him. And then we meet his guardian angel, who reminds me, of the really small actor from American Horror Story. Oh, yes. Right, yes. The the guy who was the clairvoyant. Yeah. What I loved about Clarence, the way he did it was, he was almost in a completely and utterly different film. It was almost like he was in The Wizard of Oz, but didn't give a shit what anyone was doing or talking or 
The fact that he was an angel was quite open with it. He hadn't got his wings because he was still a second class angel. He doesn't really care about him. He's just there to get his wings. That's yeah. that is the bit. Of, <laughs> yeah. I'm just going to make sure you don't kill yourself, so I get my wings. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. I like that. It wasn't like chocolate boxy. It was like quite matter of fact. Right, you don't commit suicide. I'll show you what your life would have been like if you'd never lived. This ending it always reminded me as a kid of Back to the Future. Like, when he shows him his life, what it would look like without him, he goes back to Bedford Falls, doesn't he? And he sees, like, all the strip clubs, the casinos, the bars, which is like when... It's now Pottersville. Yeah, but it's like when Marty McFly goes back in time once Biff is the mayor of the town. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's got all the casinos and all the lights. And even when he's, he goes to see, he, he goes to the graveyard and he sees his brother dead, that's like when Doc takes Marty to the graveyard to see George McFly's gravestone. It's exactly, it's literally the same. I wonder where they got the idea from. Exactly, exactly. So we see the angel basically, like Jack just said, take him through and he realises that if it wasn't for him, so much would have happened. But there's no community, is there? There's no community. If he never lived, there is no community. He realises how important he was to the bigger picture and so many things time-stamped through his life. And it's like the scene in the bar. The bar's miserable. The barman's miserable. No one talks to anyone. You're not allowed to do this here. You're not allowed to do that here. Everyone's depressed. Everything seems greyer and duller. And it's all because George Bailey was never born. And then they reference the chemist, don't they, that he did kill Mm -hmm. the kid. He killed the kid. He's now a piss can who kind of just... Live. He's a what? He's a what? A piss can. A piss can. What's yeah. that? A, like a, a piss head. A piss head. Yeah, a piss head. Yeah. Mary, your auntie on Christmas. She's a piss can. It's the tragedy, isn't it? It's tragic. Yeah. I mean, one man is responsible for so so much. You know, the house that he lives in, you know, isn't never got renovated. You know when they're breaking windows when they make a wish. Yeah. Hmm. They had a stuntman ready to break the window. She smashes it. Does she? She hits it. She threw that rock, smashed it, top window. They both did. That's good. And they thought they'd, they thought they'd never get that shot. So they had a stuntman ready to smash the glass and they both well, got it's, it. Well, it's a bit away. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The how, I mean, it's not like no. next. I mean, it's... Yeah. He said, though, you'll never get it. Let's have someone wait and we can just smash the window when you throw the rock. Both of them hit it. Wow. He's like, well, that's one take. Moving on. Yeah. It comes to the end point of the film where George Bailey realises that he has made a mistake and the angel is nowhere to be seen and he says, I I regret it, I shouldn't have said it, I understand it now, my life isn't that bad, I I, I wish I was born. And he goes back to the place he first met the angel to kind of find him and there's a cop and he thinks it's a cop chasing him from the life before he was born. And they're like, George, we've been looking for you everywhere. And he goes, what? What did you call my name? And, he's, and he realises that he's deaf in one ear again and he realises that he's back. I suppose it's that point also that he went all the way to definitely wanting to kill himself, to all the way to definitely wanting to live. He had to grasp. They pushed the story to both sides of that spectrum. You've got to want to die to get the angel and you've really, really got to want to live to see your children and what you've done to survive. I like that, that polo. It wasn't like, 
he played it very well. That bit in the bar where he's crying. It's a, I really think he he acts it brilliantly how he does that. That was a wide shot, that when he was crying. Oh, was it? Yeah, they they had it on a wide shot first, and he did such a good performance. The the director said. I'll just tighten and I'll zoom in to the wide. That's why that shot is grainier. Yeah, I noticed that. Good fucking stat, Jack. Yeah, and he went, I can't go in tighter because I'm not going to get that reaction. I'm not going to get that scene again. He went, so I'll have to just zoom in on the wide. And that's the shot and we're moving on. God, it's a great shot as well. When he cries, it's a fucking great shot. And with that, he kind of runs home to see his life that he left behind. Well, that's the famous scene in the snow, isn't it? When he runs in the snow. Yeah. Yeah, and he did kind of think that it was all coming to a head and it was all coming to an end. And he kind of accepts the fact that whatever's going to be difficult is going to be difficult. And he gets home and they're there. They're ready to arrest him. The press are there for the pictures of him being arrested. But he doesn't care. He hugs his kids. He hugs his wife. And then his wife says, come into the living room. I've got some people that are coming to see you. I've got a bath bomb advent calendar for you. <laughs> it's nothing. It's not too bad. I've got a bath bomb advent calendar, George. It's going to be all right. Have a bath and I'll drop 25 in. The entire cast of the film, the entire community come round to the house and it is pretty much every single member of the cast other than Potter. Yeah. They come into the house to give him the money to, to, to cover the debt, really, to, to make the £8,000 to keep his business afloat. And it kind of, it's them repaying him for almost what they've not seen, but what he has just seen, mm. because they all realise that if it wasn't for him, there is no community. And then the bell rings and the daughter says, every time a bell rings, an angel in heaven gets his wings. And then they sing for He's a Jolly Good Fella and the film ends. Oh, Clarence is loving it, isn't he? Never see Clarence again, do we? His L plates are off. <laughs> I'll tell you what, it's you two. You've got wings, haven't you, Jack? You're flying with Clarence. Both of you. Yeah. Jack's flying, I'm teleporting. You're teleporting, I've gone back in time, none of it happened. <laughs> <laughs> Shall we take a quick little break and then we'll come back and we will rate It's a Wonderful Life. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. We're back. It's time. Ratings. Ben? It's your film, so that means you start. 
look, for me, uh, look, it, it has gone down, regardless of what I think or whatever, as a classic and one of the films to see, especially a Christmas film. Personally, for me, what I like about it as I've got older is the way the harshness of that film behind it. Suicide, him facing his own mortality. I like all those things. And at the end, it happens to be about Christmas. But I like the pain within that film. I think James Stewart's brilliant. I love the direction and the set design. I really, for me, it's a great, it's always been a brilliant Christmas film because it's really sad. It doesn't pull away from that. I find I find Christmas films now slightly saccharine and they pull away from that darker side. Whereas this doesn't. Uh, so what am I going to give it? I think I'm going to give it... I'm going to give it 8.8. Jesus. Same as Nativity, Jack. <laughs> Shepherd. Um... I watched this when I was a kid. I think I watched it when I was about 10, something like that. And I did like it, and I've watched it again. And I watched it with my girlfriend uh, this time around, and she's never seen it before. And yet, we had the tree up. Did it feel Christmassy? Do you know what? That last half an hour, it's full Christmas. I'm with you on that. When you've got Ode to Joy, you've got Freezer Jolly, and you've got Old Land Zine singing, you're there. I thought Old Land Zine was New Year. Well, it is, but it's Christmas. It's around the same time, isn't it? Come on. It's weekend after. Come on, nitpicky. Crikey. You've got your tree up for 25 days. You've you've reinvented Christmas. <laughs> They're just doing Christmas Eve. They're working Christmas Eve. And like what Ben said, it is a bit of a dark film. Do you know what I mean? How you do see him lose his hearing, how, he's, how his brother nearly dies in the ice, how he stops the man from poisoning kids. How he wants to kill you know there is there's there's dark bits in it, and it is the lows and highs of Christmas, but also life and in general, I love the chemistry between James Stewart and Donna Reed, and she was only she was a, a relatively new actress, I think she was quite young a lot younger than what James Stewart was I think it was her first lead, but she'd done like twenty movies right but this oh, was right. a okay. but that, but that was in the studio system what I loved about their relationship is that she was besotted by him. She absolutely loved him. And he loved her. That bit that at the end of the honeymoon, when they've no money, they've not got a pot to piss in or a window to throw it out of. And she's dressed the house up that's a shithole. And she's made the best, like she's put all the posters up of where he wants to go abroad and all that. And she decorates it. And their love is so strong. And... Towards the end, yeah, he sees that he he might not have had the perfect life that he thinks, but as long as you've got people around you that love you and you love them. It's still a wonderful life. It is a wonderful life. And at the end of the day, if you're loved and you've got people around you, what what do you, what more do you want? And arguably, it's a bigger life, isn't it, than his brother's? Yeah. His brother becomes that war hero, but he, he's also led a big life. Magical. It is a magical film. And I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go nine point one. Big. Shepard's gone big. Star series five. Big. Um, good film. Aside from it being a Christmas film, it's a good film. First hour and a half, not very Christmassy. Last half an hour, very Christmassy. You've lost points there. <laughs> it is the Christmas special month of December. A bit like Nativity. Three quarters of the film shit. The last bit, Nativity singing. 
I'll I'll do the downer bits I didn't like. Quite a lot of the repetitive boardroom stuff with Potter. I think it was that bit of maybe now we've got better at storytelling in films of a baddie and good because it was like there was quite a lot of anal bank stuff to make it clear that Potter was a baddie. That there was a point in the film where it was like fifteen minutes of just back and forth between Potter, which made me bored. But then other than that, like I did really enjoy it. I think um, the premise of the film, very clever, liked the whole reflecting over life and knowing that the point was going to be intervened. And then the message of the film, like you and Jack have just gone up through in your summaries, I liked it. Um, made me feel a bit Christmassy. I went on a walk after, listened to Christmas music. Um, yeah, 7.2. Ooh. 7.2. 25.1. I couldn't give that film a massive rating because we're on about Christmas and there's no Santa. The greatest ever Christmas films ever. You think about your Christmas criteria, think about my Christmas criteria. It had snow and it had songs. But whose Christmas criteria, Coulson? No, mine, mine. <laughs> Yours, Coulson. Yours. Yeah, and how do we rate a film? A film is what you make of it. And Jack, what's the word that you always... What's the word that you've always been using recently? Relative. Relative. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Good night. What's the score, Ben? Thank you. Good night. Fucking hell. You are so fucking arsy when it comes to rating. I'm not. I'm just... No, I'm just saying. You fucking but are. You, you're getting you're on arguing. at me you don't like what I've said. When I'm saying... No, no, it no, It is no. Christmas. Hold on. That's what the film did to me. That's what it is. 7.2 sloppy. I don't think it is. Sloppy because it's not a Christmas film. One of the most famous Christmas films there's ever been. Is it because it's black and white? It's because it's black and white, isn't it? It's not. It's an old film. Is it because it was letterbox picture mode? (laughs) (laughs) That's fine. (laughs) The old telly. The old... 25.1. That's fine. Jack's Hidden Gem. Jack's Hidden Gem. (laughs) You don't fancy singing it, do you? You don't fancy (laughs) it. Colson, I'll sing it. Jack's hidden gem, gem of the, of the week. week. One of the best ones I've done. Hi. Last week's was good, by the way. Last week's <laughs> was good. Everyone was full of Christmas cheer last week. <laughs> right, gem this week. This is a bit of a touchy subject, actually, with me and Coles. This uh, this hidden gem. Oh, I know where we're going. Because it's on Disney Plus now, isn't it? It is. Yeah. It was, uh, it was Coulson who first brought this documentary to my attention and just how did i bring it to your attention you sent me the trailer on our whatsapp group that we've got and you said this looks good guys maybe we should go see it which yep that's yeah that's fine oh that's true and it was on at the cinema that week yep and i looked and the only day i could go was that night and it had finished after that week. So I went, well, me and Hanny, can, my girlfriend, can go tonight if you want to come. And you went, oh, just, I'm not tagging along on a date. What do they call it when you go on a date? Gooseberry, what is it? Gooseberry, Gooseberry that's it. it. That's it. Third wheel. Third wheel. I'm not third wheeling it. I said, shall we watch this together? It looks great. Ben was like, yeah, great. You were like, yeah, great. I'm watching it tonight with Hanny. But I said, shall, shall we? Shall we? I know, but that was the only day, though. Bullshit. Anyway, what it is, I've not even said what it is. It's a documentary. It's on Disney Plus at the minute. It's just come out on the National Geographic channel on Disney Plus. If you haven't got Disney Plus, 
get it just for this documentary alone. It's amazing. It's one of the best documentaries I've ever seen. It's not Christmassy. <laughs> it's not Christmassy at all. But it will fill you with joy. Kashi Mindbat 2018. We're in Thailand. Do you remember when that football team of like 13, 12 year old boys, they went missing in a cave in Thailand? Yeah. It was during the World Cup and they were down there for like a long time, days. And all this is about, it's the rescue mission trying to get them out. You see all the footage from the beginning all the way right through to the end. And it's all interviews and all real life footage of the people that helped to get them out. Okay, yeah. So it's, yeah, proper doc. It's called The Rescue. You'll be able to find it on Disney Plus. And I'm going to, I'm going to throw my hat in the ring now. If that film doesn't win Best Documentary at the Oscars, even though the nominations are not even out yet, I'm going to eat shit. <laughs> Hold on. Wow. Hang on. Have you just yes. said that? A teaspoon of shit. Of who of whose? Of whose? Of your own. What the what the normally what normally it is? I'll eat I'll eat my hat. But actually I've stepped it up. I'm going to eat a teaspoon of some random person shit. And I'll eat the teaspoon as well. This is a thing now. This is a thing, yeah. This is a thing. So when's the Oscars? February. A bit later, March, maybe. To be teasing the potential of Jack eating shit. It's going to win. It's going to walk it. <laughs> what a competition that will be on the Insta. <laughs> We're going Instagram live. <laughs> I don't, but what gets me, Jack, is you've elevated what? that. Yeah. You, you could have just it. said, I'll eat my hat or <laughs> I'll sing a song on the podcast but you've gone straight to an unimaginable thing which is you're going to eat some excrement if it doesn't win this documentary at the Oscars it better win it's not even nominated yet (laughs) (laughs) oh god Jack P. Shepard promises to eat Human feces. Hang on, I never said human. <laughs> Hold on, you built it up now. You built it into a pie, into like cooking. <laughs> you built it to a three-course meal. God, you've elevated oh. that. I hope it wins. I hope it I wins. I hope it wins. Yeah. I also don't. But... <laughs> Funny. But I'll, yeah, that's I'll leave my hat? No. I'll no. some shit. <laughs> <laughs> One of the greatest things you've ever said, Jack. Oh. <laughs> so that's the gem for this week and before we find out what jack is tasking us to watch for next week for his christmas film let's just fill you in a little bit of sofa cinema club news we touched on last week that we have joined patreon it is up there it is live now we've got two tiers patreon.com forward slash sofa cinema club you'll find everything you need to find out on there and in monday's episode of sofa cinema club extraterrestrial we're going to be telling you a lot more about what you can expect in our Patreon. The other bit of Sofa Cinema Club news is, in this new world that we're moving ourselves into of expanding the podcast for Series 5, we've decided to join YouTube. Now, this is big for us, really, isn't it? Video content. <laughs> Big. We're going to use filters. We're going to edit stuff. Yeah. Our three faces 
doing stuff. Eating shit. <laughs> it will be the platform where Jack eats shit. On YouTube. Imagine. Ba- the account banned. One billion views. We're on the tube. What's the what? What's our channel called? Our channel is called Sofa Cinema Club. And on there, we're going to be posting some really exciting stuff. Some exciting stuff that we started filming last week to hopefully get you into the Christmas spirit. I'm pretty sure it got Jack and Ben into the Christmas spirit. And in the new year, Sofa Cinema Club is moving into an audio visual studio. So we'll be bringing you the podcast from a studio, from our very own Sofa Cinema Club studio. That's the news for this week. Jack, what are we watching next week? Next week, it's my pick. It's Christmas, and I'm going to pick my all-time favourite Christmas film. It's a lot of people's all-time oh, favourite yeah. Christmas okay. film. I mean, it's, it's, it's obvious. It's so obvious, but it's one that I've got to choose. It's, of course, Macaulay Culkin, Home Alone. So next week, we are watching Home Alone. So make sure you watch it along with us and then join us back here on Thursday to find out what we loved, hated, and rated. In the meantime, remember you can join us. Oh, you went high there. That was good. You went in the meantime. good link. You can catch me at a 70s rock concert. In the meantime, you can join us on Monday for our episode of Sofa Cinema Club Extraterrestrial. You can join us on Instagram, Twitter, Patreon, YouTube, at Sofa Cinema Club. So much content. And make sure you leave us a review because we want to hear from you guys. And the other thing that you can do now is you can email us. Hello at thesofacinemaclub.com because we couldn't afford that Sofa Cinema Club, could we? (laughs) No, someone else had got it. Someone else has got that email, so write to them as well. Maybe you should email them and say, sell the boys the email, you tight bastard. And if you want to email us, it's hello at thesofacinemaclub.com. So next week, we're watching Home Alone, and we will see you then. Good night. Bye. Bye. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.